Get well, thanks for being here as we do step into week three of our series on the book of Ruth. And we are in Ruth chapter three this morning. Now, we've been walking through this truth that really comes throughout the book of Ruth. It's found in a Hebrew word that appears over and over and over in the book. Uh, it is the word hesed, H-E-S-E-D, and it's translated as faithful love in action. And if you walk through your uh, Bible, through the book of Ruth, you're going to see a word kindness or loving kindness appear over and over and over uh, in the text. And it's this word hesed. It is God's faithful love and action that comes to us so that it can move through us into the lives of others. And as we come to God, the reality is, is that we don't come to God and his kindness, his love because of judgment or because of anger or because of shame. We come to God because he is loving and God is gracious and God is merciful and God is kind. And God is reaching out to us day after day after day with his hesed, with his faithful love and action. And here's what I know about every single one of us, is that all of us are moving through life and we're looking for something. That we're all searching for something that can really only be found in God's hesed, in his faithful love and action. Every single one of us, we have a deep longing, a need that we need to know, number one, that our world is safe, that my world is going to be okay. And number two, we need to know that my life is significant, that I really matter and I have worth and have value. And because of those deep longings that we have, we have a tendency to look all around us to find those things. We look in work, we look in relationships, we look in events, we look in different groups, trying to find this thing that we're longing for. But I think some of us might can relate uh, to the lyrics of that song of U2 from so long ago. You know, I've climbed the highest mountains, I've run through the fields, and then you get to the chorus and what do they say? I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And I think some of us may be watching online today or maybe you're here in the room and you still haven't found what you, what you are looking for. And that one word that I think relates to all of us of what it is that we're really longing for is we're longing and looking for rest. This is what Ruth and Naomi, as we walk through the book of Ruth, that's what they're looking for. is a place where they're safe and they're valued, and they don't have to strive to make it happen, but it is available to them. This is that one target that they had. We see this as we jump into our scripture today in Ruth chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. It says, One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you. Now, those of you who have your Bible open, I want you to underline, highlight, whatever you need to do, circle this word home. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. I need to find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight we will be, he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. 
So wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. Now in Ruth chapter 3, Naomi says to Ruth, It is time for us to find you a home. Now, this is a word that goes back to Ruth chapter 1, verse 9. And in Ruth chapter 1, verse 9, Ruth says to her daughters-in-law, I need to find you rest. And the word there in the Hebrew is the word manuha, and it literally means an unending, permanent rest. And in Ruth chapter 3, verse 1, the word that you circled, underlined, highlighted, home, it literally is the word Manoah, and it means a place of rest. What Ruth and Naomi are searching for, longing for, looking for, trying to find in their lives is a rest, a receiving security and significance in their life that is not shifting, it's not changing, it's not based on their behavior or being good enough, but it is available to them to receive right where they are. And this is what they are desperately looking for and trying to find in their life. It's the same thing that you and I are trying to find in life, this place of rest that does not shift and change and move and is available to us. And so Naomi looks to Ruth and she says, I've got some instructions for you on how we can find this rest. And she gives her three specific things that she wants her to do. She tells her, I want you to get prepared. There's going to be an encounter with Boaz, so get prepared. And then I want you to go to the threshing floor and that you might be joined with Boaz. So the first thing that she tells Ruth is, I need you to get prepared. And part of this preparation, what I need you to do is I need you to get cleaned. I need you to anoint yourself with perfume and I need you to get dressed. Now, this is definitely a theme of marriage language. This is what a bride would do as she was preparing to go meet with her groom. You know, at this time, they didn't bathe every day or every week. And so the first thing you need to do is get clean. And then they would, she would anoint herself with perfumes and oils and then put on that dress that you only wear on that day. It is full of meaning and significance and you would wear it as a symbol of this covenant that you were about to enter into. Now, if you're here last week, we reminded you that in the story, there's two incredible stories taking place. There's this beautiful love story involving Naomi and Ruth and Boaz. And it's hard to listen to the story without just getting swept up in the beauty of that story. But there's also a deeper story of beauty, of truth. It is our love story with God. And in this story, Boaz represents our Redeemer, who is Jesus. Naomi represents Israel. And Ruth represents you and I, the Gentile church. And in this story... We are being invited to have an encounter with our Redeemer. 
And what happens with Ruth is the same thing that happens with you and I, is that we undergo a preparation as well, that for all of those who confess with their mouth and trust with their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, we are heading toward an encounter with our Savior and we will see him face to face and we will be joined with him. And in this life, the Holy Spirit is at work in us, preparing for that. And we have been cleansed. That by the blood of Jesus, that he took our sin on the cross. And when he poured out his blood, we are cleansed from sin and set free from death. And thanks be to God that we are also being anointed by the power of God, by the Holy Spirit. And we are being dressed in a new life. This is the beauty of the gospel is that God loves us so very much that when we come to him, he does not leave us as we are, but he begins to change us. That redemption is not just waiting to heaven, but redemption starts now. And my life and your life begins to change and shift and become more like Christ because of what God is doing in us. There's a preparation happening. And she says, I need you to get prepared, but I also need you to go to the threshing floor. We talked a lot about this last week of that risk that Ruth takes to go and step out. But this time it wasn't moving toward the field. It was moving toward the threshing floor. And again, there's a lot of significant meaning, symbolism here. There's a lot left to the imagination here. But we need to understand that there's a lot of language that's tied into this idea of marriage, of two lives being joined with one another. And it was a very significant risk for Ruth to go to the threshing floor. A couple of reasons. One of the reasons had to do with what happened at a time of harvest in the middle of the night at a threshing floor. Because at this time in history, there was a particular kind of exchange that happened in the middle of the night at a threshing floor in the darkness. And Ruth is risking reputation. She's risking, how is Boaz gonna interpret this? Is he gonna think that I'm just another one of these who's come? And not to mention that, but there's also this idea that, that Ruth is going to make herself vulnerable and available and make a request that we're going to see in just a moment that Boaz would be willing to join her in marriage. What happens if Ruth goes through all of this and puts herself out there and Boaz rejects her? What's going to happen on the other side of that? And so there's this significant risk. How is it that Ruth had the courage to go and take this risk? She's able to go, this is so very significant, because of what Boaz has already done. Think back to last week. We talked about this in chapter 2. Boaz invites Ruth into a meal, but before they share that meal, he breaks bread with her and essentially enters into covenant that can only be broken by death, where he makes a promise to her, until I die, I will care for and protect you. And based on the loving kindness that Boaz had already shown, she has the courage to go to him and make herself vulnerable to him. And that is the same invitation that you and I have, that we come to Jesus to receive his loving kindness and his redemption, not because we're good enough or figured something out, but because of what God has already done. Please hear me on this. If you are, are walking through life and you're struggling and you're not sure about where Jesus is in your life or you're not even really sure that Jesus is who he said he is, I promise you this, he's already at work in your life. 
And my prayer for you is that the Holy Spirit will open our eyes to see where the goodness and kindness of God is already at work in our lives, drawing us to him so that we can go and say, here I am. But it wasn't just to go and have an encounter with Boaz. The final instruction was that the end goal was that Ruth might be joined with Boaz. And we see this marriage language continue. So she goes to Boaz and the intention is, is that Boaz will know her. Now the word in the Hebrew is the word yada. And it's an intimate kind of knowing, a knowing that really only happens in a vulnerable, connected, intimate relationship. And that she's to lie down at Boaz's feet and the word is shakab. And again, this is a marriage language. This is talking about the kind of lying down that happens at a marriage bed. And she, again, is making herself vulnerable to Boaz. And then she makes this request of him. And she says, Boaz, would you take your garment and cover me? Again, we need to know this is marriage language. This is indicative of a, a entering a promise of covenant of marriage. But there's more to it even than that. Because remember, there's the love story on the surface. And then there's the love story with our Redeemer. Now, this word garment in the Hebrew is the word kanap. And it literally means the wings. Ruth literally says to Boaz, would you cover me with your wings? Now, I told you last week we're going to come to this. Last week in chapter 2, Ruth comes to Boaz and she says to Boaz, how is it that you, with all your wealth and power, could look at me, a Moabite woman, a foreigner with nothing to offer, and give me your, literally, your grace and your loving kindness to allow me to be a servant in your field. And you remember what Boaz said? He said, yes, I've seen the kindness that you've shown to Naomi, and I've seen your courage, but that's not really the primary reason that you're receiving this grace. The primary reason is because why? Because you've come under the wings for the refuge of God. We come to God. We come to our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, asking him, would you cover me with your wings? May I find refuge in your forgiveness, in your mercy, and your provision and protection, in your loving kindness, because of why? Because of what you've already offered me. It is already done on the cross. You've already accomplished it. You're already pursuing me. As I look back, I can see the ripples of your activity and you are a loving God and I want to receive it and I want to come under your wings. That is the invitation and the instructions that we have from our God to come and receive. And I love the response of Boaz. We pick up in verse eight. This is what it says. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. It would startle me too. <laughs> Who are you? He asked. I'm your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment, and there's that word, it means wings, over me, 
Since you are a guardian redeemer, the word there is goel. It means a one who can redeem from a sense of despair and loss and hopelessness. Specifically in this culture, there was the context of redeeming land and potentially redeeming heirs for a father who had died without sons. But there's a sense that Boaz is in a position to redeem and restore their lives. It says, you are guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you have showed earlier. He's talking about her response to Naomi, this courage to leave her land and come to this foreign place and where she says, your God will be my God and your people will be my people. This great kindness she showed to Naomi. This is even greater, he says. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. Isn't that incredible? You don't have to earn it. You don't have to figure something out. Like if you come and surrender and request, I will do for you this act of redemption. And all the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another one who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian, redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. So lie here until morning. As Ruth takes this incredible act of courage, not knowing the response to come, and, and she makes herself vulnerable to Boaz, his response is not one of judgment or you figure this out, but it is of grace, of blessing and favor. I will do for you as you ask. And then he says to her, stay here. In the dark, in the night, there is danger, there is uncertainty, there is fear, there is brokenness. So stay here with me and in my presence, you will find rest even as we wait on the redemption to be completed. That is the place where we are living in, that we have a promise of God that redemption is coming. But even as we wait for it to be finished, he says, stay with me. And you have favor and blessing and protection. That's the invitation. So here's the key for us. The key to rest is to stay with our Redeemer. The key to rest is to stay with our Redeemer. A lot of us find ourselves at, at some point in life at a distance from God. It may be that some of us here or some of us watching online, you're not really sure of where Jesus fits in your life. Maybe you're not sure about God. Maybe you're not sure about Jesus, that he really is who he said he is, that he really did what he said he was going to do. What would it look like for you to put it to the test? to seek it out for yourself, to pursue the truth, because I promise you that all that you have been looking for and longing for is found in Jesus. If you'll put it to the test and come into his presence. 
Maybe a lot of us, we've said yes to Jesus and we've experienced that loving kindness, his hesed, his faithful love and action, and we've seen the goodness and the greatness of God. But yet we look at our lives today and we're not where we once were in relationship with him. And things have begun to pull us and tug on us and we, we've been pulled away from him. And the reality is, is that God hasn't moved, it's been us. And somewhere along the way, something became more important to us that we thought and believed and told ourselves that the thing that we're longing for, that significance and safety and that rest that, that we're trying to find was found somewhere else. That maybe I could find it in my identity and, and I'm in control of that and I get to say who I am and I'm trying to, to create this you know, reputation and, and I'm trying to control what people see and how they understand who I am and, and I'm trying to be somebody. And I fall into this trap of trying to create something that I would never be able to create because I didn't give myself life and I didn't create me and only the one who creates can give you purpose and identity. Or maybe for some of us, we believed it's found in success. And we're either trying to run from pain of the past so that we don't have to continue living in it, or we're trying to live up to some expectation that was laid out for us, and we believe that it's all found in being successful. And so we pour ourselves into our jobs, or we pour ourselves into our grades or the activities so we can get that scholarship, so we can go to the right school and we can have the right future. And we think it's all found in this success, but we talked about last week, there's not a one of us that controls the downsizing of the company or the sickness that may come over us or the tragedy that comes out of nowhere. And what we fight so hard to be in success can be taken away from us in a moment. But we have a God who is in yesterday, today, and tomorrow who holds the future in our hands. And he says, just be faithful to me and I have good things waiting for you. Ultimately for God's glory. Or, or maybe it's not, we're not trying to be wrapped up in our identity or success, but maybe it's just we jump from one thing after another trying to find pleasure and comfort. And we do everything we can to avoid discomfort or difficulty or pain or heartache. And we jump from one thing to another and they never really fully satisfy. And so we find ourselves, got to have more, got to have more. Or maybe it's in something different. And the moment we experience that thing, we're, we're unsatisfied. And so we jump to the next thing. And we find ourselves in this cycle of it's never enough. It's never enough because I'm never satisfied. And we have a God who says, all that you are longing for is found in me. No more circling, no more chasing, no more dissatisfaction. But you'll have peace and joy and hope and love and all those things that our hearts deeply, deeply desire. So will we be willing to stay with him? Because ultimately this is what is happening and we don't like to admit this. We don't like to think about it. But when we find ourselves in this cycle, ultimately what we're saying is that something that's temporary and moving and broken in the world somehow has more to offer than the God of creation. And when we think about it that way, it's unnerving that we would ever take that step away from him. 
But he's not coming with anger or judgment. He's coming with kindness and mercy. And he's saying, come back to me. And I'll redeem. And I'll restore. And I'll give you all that your heart is longing for. Well, we have the courage like Ruth to come and lay at his feet, make ourselves vulnerable and say, would you redeem me? And when we do that, here's the incredible thing that happens. Is we actually find rest. And we're able to bring a strength to our circumstances and to our relationships rather than trying to get it from them. And no more striving. The worry begins to fade. The struggle begins to fade. And we find something that I believe is the most powerful currency in all of life. We find hope. Go back in the story of Ruth and what happens? Naomi and Ruth, they leave this this land where they had found themselves because of famine. And they find, ironically, that in the house of bread in Bethlehem, now where there once was no bread, there is now bread. And so they come back and Ruth takes this incredible act of courage, but they're still in a difficult circumstance. And Naomi looks around and she says to the people around her, don't call me Naomi anymore, meaning pleasant, but call me bitter. And Ruth, who's in the very same circumstance, says, maybe, just maybe, there is hope. And she has the courage to go. And what happens? The next moment, Ruth is listening to Naomi, who once was bitter, who's now saying, yes, there is hope. So go to the threshing floor to our Redeemer. Hope in a broken world is contagious. It draws people in. And this is the story that we see, this loving action of God coming to them, moving through them as Naomi loves Ruth, as Ruth loves Naomi, as Boaz loves Ruth. And we become part of God's plan of bringing his love into the world. Here's the final truth I want you to write down. Is that human action can be the vehicle for God's blessing that Naomi was the vehicle for Ruth and Ruth for Naomi and Boaz for Ruth. And that we can be that vehicle of God's blessing for somebody in our world. And ultimately the greatest act of favor and blessing and hesed, faithful love and action came through a human life. Do not miss this. The gods who love the world that what? That he gave his son, that God took on flesh. He became human. And he stepped into a broken world that we could not redeem ourselves. And he came as our Goel, our Redeemer. And he came to save us that Jesus really was who he said he was. The Son of God. And he really did what he said he was going to do. That he came and he lived a perfect life. And he gave his life. He died a criminal's death. He was put in the tomb. And three days later, he rose again that we could have the hope of eternity. And all that they had to do The Jewish leaders, the Roman authorities who wanted so badly to stop it, all they had to do was to take that dead body and parade it all over Jerusalem and Israel and say, here is your anointed one, the Christ Messiah. We killed him and they couldn't do it because he rose and he was seen by the witnesses, this resurrected life. 
We have witnesses in it, uh, of, in God's word, in the Bible. We have Jewish historians who write about it. We have Roman documents that corroborate it. That he really did it. And we have redemption in him. He became the human vehicle for God's ultimate eternal favor and blessing. And when he died on the cross and he rose from the dead, something incredible happened. He was literally our redeemer. Now we know that Jesus is our spiritual redeemer that we're brought from spiritual death to life and he redeems our spirits. We're spiritual beings. But it's even deeper than that. And this is the beauty of the story. Next week, we're gonna talk about the lineage of Jesus that goes from Ruth to David and on to Jesus. And Ruth, this Moabite woman, who's in the bloodline of our Redeemer, set the stage with her risk, her courageous action, where Jesus would not just redeem our spirit, but in the life of Jesus, you've got Jew and Gentile in the bloodline brought together so that our physical bodies are redeemed in Jesus. In the first century, the early church fathers had a saying that that which he did not assume, he did not save. And in Jesus, he assumed the entire human condition. And he says, come to me. It's already done. Stop striving and working and thinking that it's all about you and just receive what I've already given. As Ruth came, she had the courage to come because of what Boaz had already done. You can come to Jesus because of what he's already done. And there's an invitation for every single one of us here today. So hear, hear these words. Listen, listen to my offering. Be the the words of a loving father, our heavenly father to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you are here today or you're watching online and you are far from God and far from Jesus because you've never really surrendered and you're not sure about him. Maybe you've run through all the ritual and all the church stuff and the Bible studies and you know all about him, but you've never really said, Jesus, I need you to redeem me and save me and set me free. I cannot do it. Only you would you forgive me and give me eternal life. You can come to him today because of what he's already done. Or if you're here today, and there was a point in your life where you said yes, but you've wandered away because you believe something has, in this broken, changing world, had something better to offer. He is ready for you to come back. And you can come back to his feet and receive what he has to offer. Or it might be that you are walking with Jesus step for step. And what you know is in just a few days, you're gonna see that family member. Or you're gonna see that friend. And they don't know the Hesed of Jesus, that faithful love in action. It could just be that God is setting a holy appointment for you to be the human vehicle of his blessing. To speak kindness, to speak love, maybe to speak truth of the gospel, to speak Jesus over them. That they might step into this covenant that Jesus offers the promise of salvation. So if you'll stand, I want to pray for all of us because we're all in one of those places. These altar areas are open if you'd like to come and pray. 
you want us to pray with you, just wave us over. We'd be delighted to do that. But may the Holy Spirit stir in our hearts right now and speak to us what we need to hear. May we have the courage as Ruth did to say yes and come to him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us so much that you sent Jesus into the world to die for us, to rise back to life, that we could have the hope of eternal life with you. For all of those of us, Lord, who have not surrendered fully to Jesus, we've not stepped into eternity, I I ask right now that the Holy Spirit would stir their hearts, that we would pray together. Heavenly Father, I believe, I trust that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Christ. He died for me on the cross. He rose from the dead and he forgives me of my sins. Would you forgive me, Lord? Would you help me to step into your rest where I'm safe in you and I'm significant in you. Would you help me to find eternal life in you? Lord, forgive me and set me free. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I can walk in the hope of eternal life of heaven with you that starts right now. God, for those of us who've strayed away, help us to not believe in shame or condemnation because in you there is no condemnation, but you receive us as we come back and repent. Lord, stir our hearts to come back to your kindness. And for those of us, Lord, who you're setting up an appointment right now for us to speak Jesus over somebody, give us the words right now, Lord, that you're gonna bring forth and be there in the future where this conversation is gonna happen. We pray for their hearts to be open, for you to, in your glory to bring somebody into the, the family of heaven by what Jesus has done. So we are surrendered to you right now. Holy Spirit, come and work. Draw us to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.